Coming up on this episode of East Screen, West Screen, it's a special West Screen episode where we talk about Men of Steel, Men of Iron, as well as Bats and Spiders. This is East Screen, West Screen with Paul and Kevin, where if films were food, they'd be full of it. And welcome to another episode of East Screen, West Screen. This is the show where we talk about film from Hong Kong to Hollywood and some other stuff in between. I'm your host, Paul Fox, and coming to you from his news desk in a Hydra bunker in the basement of LexCorp is Mr. Kevin Ma. Hail Hydra! <laughs> Hello, sir. How are you doing? I'm, I'm good, Paul. How's it going? Apologies to all the comic book fans out there. I know I crossed the universes without permission. Um, but yeah, we are here to talk a little bit about... Some West Screen films. We haven't done a West Screen episode for a long time, so this isn't sort of an episode proper. We're not going to be covering news this week, but we're going to talk about the two sort of big comic book films that have recently come out in the past couple months. That is uh, Batman v Superman and, of course, Captain America Civil War, which at the time of recording has gotten some international release. We've gotten it here in Hong Kong already for just over a week now, but it's not quite hit in the States yet, so we've been a little bit fortunate to get some... Uh, you know, some some advanced access to this film. Also joining us, we are very pleased to welcome back uh, the webmaster himself from the Love HK film site, Mr. Ross Chen. How are you doing? <laughs> his, <laughs> his, his life. <laughs> his enthusiasm <laughs> precedes him for this discussion. Um, you may not you may not be able to recognize from the tone of his voice, but he does like comic book movies. He does like uh, you know, geeky stuff like we all do. Everything I know about Marvel and DC literally comes from Ross. I'm not kidding. Really? That's, that's, that's very sad. <laughs> you can always fake it and like buy a single graphic novel then walk around on Twitter acting like you know everything. But, you know, that just... Yeah, that's what I do, basically. I just, you know, I get, I get the trade paperback and then I uh, pretend to be an expert. Yeah, I may talk like the comic book guy from The Simpsons, but I am actually not it. Yes, and that's a, that's a good thing. That's a good thing to be sure. <laughs> All right, so why don't we just jump right into the discussion. First, I want to talk a little bit about Batman v Superman, a film which I guess has been hinted at going all the way back to the Will, what was the Will Smith movie, um, I Am Legend, right, where they had that sort of that fake poster. And I, I know that for a long time this has been something that fans have wanted to see, so I'm curious. I'll, I'll throw the ball over to um, Ross first, since he's the you know he's the in the third chair in in the guest seat this week. And I'd like to get your opinion, your feedback. You are are you more of a DC Batman fan than a Marvel fan, or what was your what was your sort of feeling for this uh, for this coming film? In general, I'm probably more of a. It's hard. Uh, uh, I'm more of a DC person, but uh, in terms of the comic books, like when I was young, I read X-Men and I'm on the Marvel side, and then on the DC side, I read Batman and some Superman, and I even read Wonder Woman. So I like went through all of those. And on, on the Marvel side, I like never, never bought Thor, and mm -hmm. like 
I, I did buy Spider-Man once and Captain America for a short time and Iron Man for a short time and Daredevil for a short time. So I was all over the place there, but I was like super X-Men and then super Batman. So Batman Superman was probably more my speed than, than, uh, than, than Civil War. Mm-hmm. And then I saw the movies. And of course, then I completely changed my mind. Now, these would be the like the Tim Burton run, or when you say you saw the movies, are you talking about the Marvel, the current Marvel run? No, when when I saw after I saw Batman versus Superman, and then I saw Civil War. Okay. Yeah, I'd have to reverse my opinion there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so a, a little bit of insight there. Uh, how about you, Kevin? Well, I, I don't read comic books period i mean all all my knowledge of the marvel universe is just just limited to the marvel cinematic universe so you want to tell me this version of this comic you know went dealt with that character blah blah i don't i don't know anything about mm-hmm. that all i know is the what the character dynamics are within the cinematic universe right right i guess for myself i'm a little bit similar to ross i was kind of all over the place in the late 80s early 90s with comic books i had read some comics coming growing up in the 70s but my comics were usually oddball comics. So, for example, the very limited issue, I think it was like 20 or 22 issue run of Godzilla that Marvel did back in the day. And Godzilla actually fought S.H.I.E.L.D. at, at, at some point and, and fought the Shogun Warriors, I think. Yeah, um, I read that. I read that. Yeah. So I, that that's the kind of stuff that I gravitated to early on. I, I'd say I got into Spider-Man a little bit uh, later. And then right around the time that they were starting to do these offshoots with uh, artists like Jim Lee and Liefeld and others, they were, you know, they went over to form Image Comics and they were trying to do something different. I started reading a couple of those titles. I say right around the time of the arc of the death of Superman was when I finally just kind of threw my hands up in the air and, and, and gave up because I just had enough of the, the reboots and the, the killing off of characters and the you know, sort of the bringing back of, of characters. It it was not something that narratively I was enjoying anymore because of, of the constant sort of rehash. And my attention during that same period had kind of shifted over to reading Japanese manga, which tended to have a much more sort of final sense of, of narrative for a lot of the stories I was reading. You know, you could get a good, solid, complete arc usually with, with some of the stories. Unless you read Dragon Ball. Yeah, or or something like you know, what is it like? One Piece has you know. Well, One Piece is still going. So. Yeah, it, it's just got zillions of uh, of titles, and I mean, you could sink a fortune into just buying the books for that. But in general, uh, I kind of moved away from reading the comics, and I've since gone back there. There have been some arcs that I've gone back and and bought trade paperbacks for, to you know just read and appreciate the stories like Civil War. And uh, some of the other more popular ones like, um, you know, The Killing Joke and and some of the others. And these are now getting more attention because of film remakes and and direct-to-video remakes. Let's talk a little bit about the Batman versus Superman movie and the world that Zack Snyder has created. So you kind of alluded to the fact, Ross, that you were not perhaps the biggest fan of this film. (laughs) <laughs> I don't... you know it's like I, I don't think it deserves all the hate it gets it, it, it really is hated like like supremely hated so it's 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 kind of like the green lantern thing for me where it's like if this film had come out 10 15 years ago everyone would have been like wow it's just after marvel made us really used to a certain type of film we uh now are spoiled so it's like this film isn't good enough mm. you know so it's, it's visually it's very nice and some of the action is really amazing and uh 
and uh, you know casting Wonder Woman is great and you know Ben Affleck makes a good Batman and Henry Cavill is you know handsome but <laughs> you know it's like it, it's just it's just a story was just made no sense and you know Batman and Superman are morons yeah, yeah. This is like, this is one of the points of criticism that I think resonated with me a little bit was that Batman was so easily fooled. Now, some might have argued that it's because he's in this place, you know, with all this stuff going on, that he's not the Batman, you know, the detective that we know. But how how was it that he was just so easily manipulated by? But the but the thing is, they could do things. They could do things to sell that. Mm-hmm. Like you know, like Alfred could just go, "Hey, what the hell is the matter with you?" And he could like leave. <laughs> So then you get the idea that he's going over the edge. You know, it, it's just like it, it had ways out to, to create his conflict. Mm-hmm. They could have used like Scarecrow grass or, gas or something to make him really like paranoid. You know, although you can't explain why Superman's stupid. It, you know, <laughs> so it's it's well, he's from a small town. Yeah. He's simple. Small town values, right? Yeah, that's right. It, it, it's just you know the the, the movie is just is just. Uh, it's it's just you know I mean like I didn't dislike it as much as a lot of people did but it, it has so many problems and you know it, the, the contrast between the, the heroes was not there and like and it's like they could have solved other problems if someone just opened their mouth for more than five seconds mm. you know or led with a different sentence instead of going we have to stop you, you could just say hey by the way you're being fooled oh really and then it ends by the way how, by the way are we doing spoilers yeah I should probably throw this out we are going to talk about key points in the film if you haven't seen the films. Normally, when we do film reviews here, we try to be spoiler-free, but we're going to be all over the place with these films. So this is not a podcast episode you want to listen to if you haven't seen uh, both of these films yet. Wow, so, Civil okay, well, in that case, like... in that case, then, Martha, what the hell? <laughs> all right, well, let me, throw it, is... let, me, let, me, <laughs> let me throw it over to Kevin for just a minute so we can, get, <laughs> we can give the audience impression, uh, you know, his thoughts on the film, and then, then we'll get back into it. So, Kevin? Right. No, it, I I think I echo what Ross. Oh, okay. Well, first of all, I did feel a little guilt, feel a little sorry for Zack Snyder, like after like about a week after that, all the all the uh, bad word of mouth came in. Like people were just people were trying to one up each other, and it kind of became this contest of trying to like make the funniest negative review of Batman. And I felt it was kind of unfair towards the film because I mean there are sort of decent things about it, like you know. Like Ross says, Wonder Woman is fine. Ben Affleck was fine. He'll make a good Batman, and I think, and I think um, the the whole thing about dealing with the 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 fall from Man of Steel is kind of a good idea. But yeah, the movie is kind of misguided. I think it really was too serious for its own good. I I think that a film that doesn't like superheroes, like I think it's a film that doesn't even like the idea of superheroes. It's a film that was so interested. It's like the Watchmen thrown into a geek film. Mm-hmm. even that should be selling DC but it's done in like the style of Watchmen which is I think completely really the wrong approach yes indeed I, I, I get that sense too and some of the reviews I've read elsewhere have pointed to the fact that it really is a humorless film and I think this is one of the points that people who do comparison between what the Marvel Cinematic Universe and, and what the DC Universe has done so far is like night and day in that the DC, his approach has been to really just maybe in an almost deconstructive fashion, try to take apart the comic book myth and say that, all right, this is comic book heroes uh, as they would be, you know, in in reality, much more so than Marvel. Marvel still seems to keep the, 
the a sense of the tongue-in-cheek at times and for me that takes i mean i i can appreciate it but at a certain point it just becomes punishing in a sense it's like i don't i didn't find myself enjoying the the heroicness that is supposed to be superman in man of steel and for the most part this film just carried on that tone it just was more of the same for me at least with the superman representation and there a, was a major problem i think with what dc were trying to do which was they were trying to mimic christopher nolan but the problem was christopher nolan films had humor they had very dry actually very dry sort of british-esque humor that that i think american scriptwriters just could not imitate and there, so so people say, oh, you know, the whole the whole style is modeled after Nolan. That is true. Visually, it's modeled. I mean, the whole film takes place at night. Or to really a certain point, it is. But but you know, they 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 still there's a stylization in Snyder's version that doesn't exist in uh, in Nolan's. Right. So you know, Nolan's you can feel is closer to reality than Snyder. Snyder's you know really he he really goes over he 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 pulls it further from reality, and that's fine because these are gods and all that crap, but. Yeah, it, it, you know, I, I agree with Paul. There's just, it just, you know, and this, this is an old uh, criticism. Yes, it needed some humor. It needed a light side. It needed a contrast between heroes. Superman needed to be, uh, he needed to be positive. He needed to have a positive outlook in some way, shape, or form, so that he could contrast Batman's darkness. But instead, he was all upset and mopey, hmm. and then, and Batman was angry and mopey. So then it was, who's angrier or more upset? That was the battle. It was just. Yeah. The, the thing is, they never really quite, quite appropriately tell people why Batman was so damn mopey. Like, if you read the, you read the comic, you know, if you read the comic books and you recognize the whole Joker, uh, what's my Robin thing, and you, you yeah. see why he's so mopey. But the thing is, you have to read really read between the lines, and that's not how you do an origin film to a franchise. Yeah, actually, I'm I'm gonna say that that's something my brother said because he saw the film. He said that when he saw it, he he said he could fill in enough of the blanks on his own. That right. it wasn't that he could he was fine with it because he could fill in all the blanks and that's kind of where I'm coming from. See, luckily I don't have to write about it or else you know I'd have to say something else. But it's like yeah, I could fill in a lot of the blanks, so it didn't really, you know. So so the fact that the story was ridiculous at times, so I could deal with. Although parts of it were again really stupid, um, and again they were morons, both of them. So <laughs> um, one thing is you know your, your your Martha complaint. I actually think the Martha thing could have worked, but. Again, it would have to be that Batman has to be so far gone that it had to snap him back, and they don't really show that, in my opinion. He you know, doesn't have any real reason to hate. Well, actually, I think Batman has more reasons to hate Superman than Superman has reasons to hate Batman. I never really convinced why Superman was so against Batman. Yeah, well, that was just dumb. Well, he's not. That's the that's that's one of the pinnacle problems I have with this film is they get to this moment where. Lex has Superman's mother, Martha Kent, right? And he basically says, all right, you go kill Batman or I kill your mom. And he, you know, he flies down, he sticks the landing, as Deadpool might say, and they're they're facing off. And all Superman has to do is say to Batman, hey, look, Lex has kidnapped somebody I really care about, you know, an innocent civilian. I need your help. And it takes two seconds and they, you know, but instead they just, you know, say these things that are almost inane in terms of writing and, and just come to blows because that's what that that's the whole point of the movie a BVS movie right that's that's what they're trying to get to and I think the writing to get there just wasn't that strong now I want to talk a little bit about Ben Affleck because 
in the build-up to this movie, this was seen as sort of the biggest joke of of everything that you know. Oh, Ben Affleck's going to be Batman, and that's a, that's terrible casting, and he was so terrible in Daredevil, and and you know all these very negative things. And it turns out he's the for me the best thing of the film. And I kind of felt came away from this thinking, how much better would this film have been if it was just a you know Batman film with a, a small cameo by Superman, you know, the scenes where he, you see him reacting to the destruction of Metropolis and, you know, you, you, you build in this story of Batman uncovering kryptonite and, and these kinds of things. But, you, you know, as a Batman film, the Batman parts of it, I was much more in with, you know, the, the, the idea that he's gone a bit darker, he's branding people, um, the, the style, the look of him... Uh, worked very well for me. I think this is perhaps my favorite physicality, at least in terms of the physicality and the fights, um, my my favorite version. They did get a little bit too much with the shaky born camera style um, action sequence and choreography uh, in sort of his final fight scene that I, I tend not to like as much. But I know they were trying to go for something that was akin to the you know the Arkham series of video games it felt like they that's the style they were trying to to go for and and I did appreciate that overall but for me what doesn't work here is pretty much everything else the casting I've I've never I've never just really felt that the casting for Superman has fit the casting for Lois Lane just seemed off and now they're in a tub together and I'm going wait a minute this is you know this is not the, I mean, I know there are a couple and everything, but this is not what I'm used to seeing in a Superman film. I'm used to seeing, you know, Lois and Clark. I'm used to seeing romance. I'm not used to seeing near sexy time kind of stuff. And then you've got uh, Jesse Eisenberg, which I think is perhaps the worst casting um, all out, outright. I mean, I just never got the sense he was Lex Luthor that he was. Now, there's been some speculation that maybe he's actually the son of who we would know as Lex Luthor, but um, I don't know. There's also some uh, acclaim for the role of Wonder Woman, but here too, Gal Gadot did not work for me as Wonder Woman because she just looks a bit too much like a runway model, and I expect someone to look a little bit more Amazonian, right? I mean, I just it, it seemed like she'd break very easily, and I know that she didn't, and she, you know, held her own, I was just less impressed than I think a lot of people were with the, oh. the Wonder Woman role. Paul, Paul, Gal Gadot can kick your ass in real life. She's like 5'10 or 11. She's, she's, not, like she's not short. She's, she's like trying to crap Maga. She's like a martial artist, dude. <laughs> she can actually kick your ass, kick our asses all in real life at the same time. Perhaps, perhaps. But just the way they portrayed her, it just no, it no, did yeah, not yeah, seem yeah. very... Yeah, I, was, I was fine I with agree. her. I mean, you know, it's... <sighs> You know, I mean, come on. I mean, you know, uh, you have Black Widow in in, in, the, in the Marvel universe. She's like, you know, she's like, you know, four foot three or something, and she's like kicking ass <laughs> like like all over the place. So, you know, Gal Gadot, you know, being you know not super muscular, it's it's okay. She's not supposed to be a bodybuilder. She's supposed to be in you know a goddess. Mm. You know, she doesn't she doesn't need to be like you know like she doesn't need to be a uh, a pro wrestler. You know, which I know some people were wanting a real pro wrestler to be Wonder Woman. It's like, ah, come on, you people. It, it, you know, I mean, I, I think I think it was fine. You know, who knows how she's going to carry her own film? Maybe it won't work, and we've never seen her carry her own movie. But 
you know, in, in the limited time she had, she she really, you know, I think she 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 showed a presence, and you know, she she had a certain look, and that was good. And you know, it's just it, maybe it's it's just you know we we have a certain you're comparing it to the rest of the film. The rest of the film was such a drag in some ways that you know she was a, a positive point. Yeah, and I, am I the only one? Am I the only one who thinks that she shouldn't have been in this movie? Like that shoving her in felt like too a bit too much that there, I think they should have waited until she gets her own film. I think there was a lot that shouldn't have been in this movie. I think that <laughs> the the whole final act shouldn't have been in this movie because It's just a reversal of the Marvel formula where instead of like, you know, slowly building up, instead they like jam it into you and then say, "Okay, you're going to watch these films, you're going to like them cuz we're going to make them." What it, I, you know, it's But I mean the whole the whole concept for me of the Doomsday and I know that they've reinvented the the storyline here of of that character which i also thought was just kind of just so forced and and yeah okay you know lex is going to go in and and use alien technology and create this thing fine but doomsday in the comic was such a a big presence that it you know even after multiple heroes fought him you know he basically fights superman to a standstill and literally everybody thinks he's killed Superman, and that's what they go for here. But to me, that's a that's not a villain you roll out in this movie. That's a villain for a Justice League, or a Justice League Two. You know, once these characters have been established a bit more, that's a you know that's because uh, now where do they go? I mean, you just wasted uh, a, a big sort of Marvel, uh, sorry, a big sort of DC, you know, villain who's got a known arc in this movie and it was just there was so much crammed in here that i think if they would have pulled back if they would have said all right we want to focus this on batman on batman coming to grips with a superman type character there was a there was a much tighter story that they could have done and i think it would have worked better the the problem is they're in such a rush to catch up to marvel and and we'll talk about this in a little bit but the thing is you see civil war is literally dealing with the same themes that batman did and they do it in superior fashion it's exactly the same themes, right down to the mother issue, and and we'll get we'll get to that in, in when we talk about civil war, right? Sort of. Yeah. Well, it, I mean, pretty much it is that they pretty end up is. they end up getting in a fight because of an issue that happened with one character's mother. I mean, it, it's almost yes, it's almost like they were mom sitting and stop the fight. No, but mom it's, doesn't but stop but the it's, fight. But it's almost like they were sitting, you know, across the hall in writer's room, you know, like trying to listen in with cups to the door or something. And they um, both have some similar things about, yes, you know, the responsibility of heroes and all that crap. And, you know, do we want heroes around and all this stuff, except for they went in way different directions. And, you know, Civil War has its problems, too. But I guess we'll get to that. But, yeah, yeah. but like, yeah, Batman and Superman, they just... They, they they tried to do too much and it was just such a mess and uh, you know I it's a disappointment to me I, I think you know it, it's not much you can say about it I don't know what insight you can bring to this whole you know thing other than you hope you know they don't mess up what they got that they, that you hope that Suicide Squad can can be okay and that Ben Affleck can get make a Batman movie like next week and <laughs> at least and so they can just like salvage this mess because you know otherwise I don't know what insight you can drag from it because it's like you know, do you guys really care if Henry Cavill comes back? No. You know? No, it's but... like he died, and it's like, okay, but see ya. It's like, because, you know, you, he never really got to grow on you. Yeah. You never, he never was someone you cared that much about. Especially since in this film, he was just such a bore. Yeah. 
Yeah, just like no one really cares about the floating rocks at the end of the film. It's like, oh well, duh. Like, of course it's gonna happen, but no one really cares if Superman comes. Yeah, there's back. no real emotional impact that he lives or dies because you know yeah. he's just he's. We're never that close to him, you know. Yeah. Especially, you know, even after Man of Steel, because like you know, he, you know he should be torturing himself after what happened to Man of Steel. But this is just kind of eh. Everyone else is upset. What the hell? I'm gonna go screw Lois. You know, it's like he's just like he doesn't really care. You know, he's just he seems like like so so un unfazed by everything. Just like uh you know, it's, it's like he doesn't even know what he's doing. So it, it's like yeah, you, you needed to you needed to have him grow on you. Also, why would you mourn his why would you mourn his loss? But you don't, and that's that's really sad. It's it's just a lot of lot of you know it's, it's a big mess. I don't know how they're gonna fix it except for they're they're already making the film to bring him back. It's like great, you know, all the drama of bringing someone back that I didn't care that he left. Um, the question is: Can can DC salvage itself? Can what 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 can Snyder do at this point to to make Justice League kind of put it back on track? Is it possible? Get a different get a get a, get a good producer, you know, <laughs> and then uh, and 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 you know, so, so much for the Nolan, so much for the writer of Argo, so much for the writer of Argo helping. <laughs> <laughs> but Nolan didn't do anything to help Man of, Man of Steel, I think. He's just, his name is just on it. It's, it's pretty much everyone knows that his name is on both films, but he doesn't do anything. He's not involved. And in fact, I think he even... I can't even remember what, what happened. He supposedly, he, he he had something to do with whether or not Superman killed someone in the last film. Or he right. offered his opinion there. But, you know, he, he had no creative control. You know, and he, he's just there because DC... I mean, Warner wants his name on it just because it's a prestige thing to have right. Nolan's name on it. So... It, you know, they need that Kevin Feige. They need that guy. Well, let me ask you this. What, do you, what are your thoughts on the hints or the, uh, what, what you, would you call them, the, the sort of the future visions of things to come? Because they gave us a few, uh, not, not really spoiler, spoilery kinds of uh, visuals. You're talking, the, you're talking about the dark seed? stuff well not not the dark side stuff but just the you know because like the, the the lex luther file basically and he's got you know some people said well isn't it he, he lex luther basically gave them their logos right because their logos are right there in the lex luther file where we see uh footage of you know metahumans or enhanced humans whatever they're calling them in this universe the you know some footage of i guess the guy is going to be barry allen and the guy playing cyborg and uh, we see a, extend, a somewhat extensive scene of uh, of Carl Dro- Carl Drogo underwater, right? Um, the yeah, guy, the guy who plays uh, Aquaman. Look, we already talked about like thirty five minutes, and we're still not finished talking about how they're setting up the rest of the DC universe. In one yeah, there's too film. much crap is in that film. It's exactly. just like it's like too jammed, but there's no real. There's there's you know it, it's all a lot of. Uh, it's all a lot of uh, you know, like uh, teases and, uh, and and big moments, but you know, nothing you can really sink into. Nothing about character. Just that's just they did all character wrong. And they, they did all the emotions wrong, and, and you know, yeah, it, it's it's an unfortunate movie. Uh, it's you know, and this is from a super Batman fan. So, do you think that you are more excited to see Suicide Squad or a future Ben Affleck solo film? I'm okay with seeing Suicide Squad. I mean, like, just what I've seen of it looks okay. <laughs> There's less room for them to screw that up. Yeah. And uh, apparently, from the latest trailer, we are going to see a bit of uh, Batfleck in that film. Mm-hmm. So I think that'll be interesting. Although the the outfit did look a little bit different from 
uh, I tried to do a couple freeze frames. It looked a little bit different from what we saw in the BVS movie. But well, they gotta sell those toys. Yeah, that's true. No, I, I hope they don't they don't waste as much time as they did with BVS on on planting future seats that don't make any sense to to people who are just joining this cinematic universe. Like like we're the whole thing with the Flash, you know, showing the dream and all that stuff with Aquaman, and all that crap. Like that that's really way yeah. too much to cram well, in. Well, this is where I think they've really dropped the ball, and and to some extent, Marvel from things I've read recently, Marvel's kind of going in this direction too, is that they just refuse to acknowledge the. Um, TV universe, right? Because they have very successful shows going on in in the TV universe. I think The Flash is probably the most of of the DC shows successful. My favorite, personally, I think they've got a, a very good cast. I think they could have easily brought over Grant Gustin as The Flash, but no, they want to just reinvent the wheel once again. And it's you know, it, it this is the thing that the I think the no. The, not not the Nolan verse so much, although I'm not a big fan of the Nolan verse. I, I do tend to prefer the older Batman films just for the fun that they had in them. But I think that uh, with the Snyder verse, what it's really lacking is that sense of fun, that sense of comic bookness, and maybe that's what he wants to get away from. But with the season of the Flash, with the season of Supergirl, we could talk about the you know low quality TV effects in comparison, but it's got way more fun. And you've got, uh, you know, 20, 40 episodes of character development that could easily be pulled over and just inserted in, uh, in places to give you that sense of, I think, that sense of fun, that sense of connection, and that sense of building something a bit larger. But instead, they just want to keep, you know, keep it separate somehow and unequal, I guess, because they don't... But you said that that Marvel wants to do that too, but Marvels are connected. Well, they are, but they're, they've, they've distanced themselves. Um, this, uh, so, for example, this season um, on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., there's not a very strong connection so far to um, events going on, and there's been no kind of reversal in terms of you don't see characters from the film verse showing up on TV at all. You know, I know that some of the big names, you're not going to see, obviously, Robert Downey Jr. Um, or Chris Evans stopping by, but there are, you know, smaller characters that could perhaps be, you know, contracted to make an appearance. I've just recently read, too, that in the Netflix universe, um, there is no expectation currently to see the Netflix characters showing up in Infinity War. Um, So here, too, they've talked about having so many characters, but they're not going to take any time to use the characters that are currently being established and that people are getting used to, which I think is a mistake, but... Again, I, that's just my opinion. I think it's too much to demand because getting people to watch a couple of films, that's one thing. I mean, that's about maybe 10, 15 hours of commitment total, and that's like going across a couple of franchises. But to expect people to also catch up on multiple seasons of television or multiple series, I think that would be a little too much like fan yeah. service. Uh, you know, in some ways, uh, Paul, you know, having read comic books, you know, I'm kind of used to this continuity business. But but yeah, in in film and TV, it would be hell. And you know, I I, I just don't think it's. I, I kind of see why they're doing it because it, it just hampers you creatively. And it's it's already bad enough. Like the, for the directors of all the Marvel films, it's like you know this is why Joss Whedon's always so upset. It's because like oh I can't be creative because you know they're always telling me they gotta throw in this weird scene that makes no sense. And it's <laughs> like it's like yeah that's true. And of course it all works because it all has the same producer. But just because that producer is so into this crap doesn't mean that he wants to deal with the showrunners of Daredevil. Hmm. You know, or 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 the the Agents of Shield show. 
and actually that's even worse because I read somewhere that that supposedly like like you know there was that whole power play that they did to get the Marvel Cinematic Universe away from Marvel Brass. Yeah. You know who who were the ones who had the TV side and also were the ones pushing for the Inhumans movie, which is now canceled. Strangely enough. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, because they wanted Inhumans to be big, they wanted Inhumans the movie to push the comic, which no one cares about. Mm-hmm. And actually, the Inhumans comic is a replacement for X Men. I don't know if you. Guys oh, replacement for, for Fox. I mean, because they don't, you can't have X Men back. From yes, Fox, because Inhumans, Inhumans right now is yeah. yeah, Inhumans. If you watch the Shield show, which I don't, but I read a little bit about it, Inhumans they're stealing all the X Men storylines. You know, people, people don't like you know Inhumans and oh no that the next step in human evolution there's prejudice against Inhumans and Inhumans are like you know it's a, it's a metaphor for you know racism and sexism and all that crap yeah you know they're doing that with Inhumans because they can't do it with mutants because mutants belong to Fox right so you, you know feeling, you already feel like they're doing that with 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 Civil War even actually in a way uh, but you know, I mean, it, it, there was it was always a big plot hole, to be honest, in the comic books that everyone loves Captain America and and and, uh, and Spider Man to a point, and and Iron Man, but they hated the mutants. It's like, come on, you people, <laughs> you know, it, it didn't make sense in the comics, and it doesn't make sense in movies. You know, it, they have to straddle that, and then they can't do it. And it, it, so, you know, people distrusting Captain America and all that stuff. That that's 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 something that actually exists in the comics too. It's just that. You didn't really see it until like probably the the eighties or nineties, especially, especially the extreme nineties, and then and then in, the, in like the, the new century, because comic books just went in that direction where it's like we're running out of ideas, so our new idea is to turn all our characters into douchebags, and we're never gonna have heroes fighting villains; they're just gonna fight other heroes. So, like, if if you look at all your events, it's it's all heroes fighting heroes nowadays in comics. Mm. It's always heroes fighting heroes. It's never heroes fighting villains. It's so tiresome. It's like you know, this is their their, their thing. You know, I think it's because fans are sort of getting tired of the monster of the week formula. Like that's personally, that's why I'm not looking forward to X Men Apocalypse because it feels like they did that whole like you know X, you know mutants versus mutant things for a while, and then they ran out of ideas, and now they're going back to the monster of the week thing. Yeah, like. not if you read the comic. If you read the comic, the, the villain's a big deal. So he's it's okay. not it's yeah. not it's not a, and his team is is basically made up of people who are usually heroes anyway so it's more heroes fighting heroes yeah that, that's, that's not that's nothing uh but that's not unusual either yeah um so you know the, the, i don't know if we'll have time to talk about x-men but yeah. well, okay let's let's talk about civil war then let's i mean we were talking about it already anyway so let's move I, right I, into I, that i prefer the ken burns version i'll tell you that right now <laughs> all right well let me throw it to kevin this time kevin give us your thoughts on captain america civil war well no as someone who who's you know, followed the Marvel Cinematic Universe closely. Like I was very satisfied with it. I mean, especially when, thanks to DC, you have something to compare it with. It sort of set the bar very low, and you're just like, oh, it's better than BVS. It's got to be pretty good. And and I think it did deliver. I mean, we were just saying that it, it really follows similar themes to BVS, and it does it on much more sort of powerful level. I think because one, you know, the characters and and two, I think the, the, the story is actually rather simple. And, and they have a very strong, the whole thing with Winter Soldier and, and Captain America, they have that that was set up for two films to, to, to make that work in this film. And that's why it worked. And it really just goes to show kind of the, um, how Marvel, you know, 
was wise in sort of pacing pacing their 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 stories in, at a at a even pace so that people have time to sort of get attached to these characters before throwing them against each other. And I and think also you, you don't have to show the doubt or like you know the struggle on Captain America's side. Captain America can just say I believe in this and he's done, and he just yeah. sticks with that the entire film. And you don't but have to one, see him go back and by the way, Wang Jing does not buy that logic, apparently. <laughs> but actually, actually, Wang Jing is somewhat correct to a point. The story, really, it's just like, you know, uh, you know, I don't know how much I want to give away or spoil, but it's just, just like... Spoil everything. Just, just go for it. Oh, okay, how the hell are you going to arrange it so that those three people are going to be in that room at the very <laughs> end to get that fight? You know, I mean, like, how how could he have ever predicted that? I mean, like, seriously, it was it was it was even worse than uh, than like the Joker's plan in the Dark Knight, <laughs> or or like you know uh, uh, Javier Bardem's uh, his plan in Skyfall. It was like way. It was like it was like it, it depended on so many like little coincidences and and things you could never predict. How could he make sure that could happen? Well, no. I think what, what, what Wang Jing was asking was why was Captain America? Why would Captain America fight the other superheroes for this Winter Soldier guy? And I think that's because Wang Jing doesn't remember or di- didn't watch the first Captain America film. He doesn't know that they're pretty much like brothers. And I think that 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 idea, I mean, using the two films to build that is is really kind of Marvel's strength. But I the thing is, the, the film did make have one flaw, in my opinion, is that Captain America couldn't be proven right because. He didn't save the world, you know. If you've been doing this to show that, you know, hey, I have to do this because I still got to save somebody—not just my brother, but also like I have to, you know, defeat Zemo, right? Right. Well, no, I think I think that's just kind of what it goes along with the whole Captain America, the franchise itself. It's always been more character-based, I think. Just like the last one is about the Winter Soldier, it's about um, uh, him adapting to a new world. It's really character-based um, a series, more so than the Avengers. And I think, well, yeah, yeah, that I, line, I agree with that. I agree with that. It's just that, it's just that. Uh, what I'm trying to say is that the uh, is that they they, they didn't. Uh, it's that when 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 the whole plot comes out, it's like basically they were just played. They were, right? You know, very right. In, in a way similar to Batman and Superman. They were just played, and so it, it is kind of sad at that moment because it's like there was no greater victory. In fact, there is no victory. It, it is kind of the easy way out to have that one villain that sort of throws a wrench instead of having real conflict between the two teams. There sort of is a real conflict, well, but that conflict is kind of swept aside, which right. is the whole thing about the uh, about uh, the oversight committee. You know, do the Avengers want to submit to being uh, run by like a, a committee of uh, United Nations people? Uh, that that whole thing was just like swept aside. Uh, right, right, right. So, you know, that that is actually supposedly the the real conflict. But yeah, they do. They just kind of. Uh, it just kind of got got forgotten. So you know there are there are flaws all over in the story. It's just just the characters and you know and you know how what they mean to you are so strong that they uh, it, it gets by a lot. It's like how else can they throw these people in there? You know, just for like quick cameos, basically. Like you know, Hawkeye just shows up. Like, hey, remember me? You know, you don't even have to know. You don't even they don't even spend any time telling you what his decision is about whose side he's on. He just joins the side, and you're like, yeah, I buy it. You know, it's it's pretty. Uh, it's 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 like you know it's 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 pretty it's pretty it's pretty easy for them to do this because they've already established everything like you said in, in earlier uh, in earlier films and things. Yeah, I Paul, think, I think uh, yeah, Paul, you. No, I I I think it's uh it's definitely got a stronger arc. I didn't have a big as big of a problem with you know the coincidence of of them getting to that place uh, in the end. At least it 
to me, it seemed to flow a lot better and it seemed to make more sense. And they're, they're well, it's really they're, well directed. It's really yeah. well. It's really well paced and it's really well put together. But you know, the whole thing could have been thrown apart if at one point Captain America just said, "By the way, Tony." <laughs> <laughs> what? Yeah. Don't freak out. Yeah. You know, they, you know that, that could have just solved the whole. That could have just ended it. And Zemo would have been like, "Damn it!" And that would have been the film. So yeah, you know, it, it was not a foolproof story, and it it it, you know, it, it, it had its, uh, its the, issues. Yeah. Did well, you guys like? Did you guys like? I thought because I thought yeah, there's an airport fight which actually had real no real narrative bearing because it's just even the superhero story want to hurt each other right they're actually with just one group trying to stop the other and really trying to fight the other so there was real no real new dramatic bearing on that scene. it was a fun but, fight right it was a fun fight but i think the the twist at the end i didn't really see coming i thought it really worked the thing about you know tony's parents what do you guys think about that was that actually in the comic books no no this is this is a big divergence from the the, the civil war uh comic book story i mean that ultimately I mean, there's similarities. There's a there's a big sort of uh, superhero based event that happens, a big explosion that kills a bunch of people, and people come out against superheroes. You know, it was an accident, but you know when they were trying to apprehend a supervillain, and this prompts what they call the Superhero Registration Act, I think. And what uh-huh. they want is basically all superheroes to register. So in its place, we get the Wakanda Accords here, which basically says, well, we want the Avengers to kind of register and, and be under UN supervision. So that's the point of tension that splits heroes along the line. Some people want to register, some people don't. Um, and that serves as as sort of the, the motivating force for them to That's the similarity fight. between the comic and the um, movie. Th- there are some yeah. other similarities, though. For example, at the airport scene, okay, we get um, we get uh, Ant-Man going big, which I thought was really cool. <laughs> was... And it's a, there, there's a different character. I can't remember his name. Uh, Gigantor or some, some, somebody who, who's like the big... He, he's the big guy. Goliath? Um, Goliath, that's right. Goliath. Um, and actually, he ends up getting killed in the comics... And here, what they end up doing is kind of uh, alluding to uh, War Machine, uh, that that happening to him in in the fight instead. So there's some parallels. There's some things they throw in that I think are in- interesting. Um, what they did with the prison, I thought was interesting because I kept thinking, how are they going to do a prison in the negative zone or, or wherever that? Because they have this like otherworldly prison where they're taking the superheroes who don't want to comply um, in the Civil War series. But by the end, I think what they did here fit very well within the cinematic universe. It was true to the characters, at least what we've been shown so far. But for me, the best parts were, of course, the cameos. I loved seeing Ant-Man come on board, and I loved, loved, loved Spider-Man. Um, he was probably the highlight for me. I wasn't sure how it was going to you know, react to the new actor, but I really dig him. I'm really excited for... Uh, a new Spider-Man film now, and I'm curious, you know, because they've said that uh, Robert Downey Jr. is going to be making an appearance in the Spider-Man film, and I think that works. The way that they portrayed their relationship, I think, because they had the, you know, Spider-Man and Iron Man in the Civil War comic were already very close; they were already kind of working together. So the things that they did here, the allusions to the suit that he's wearing when he starts out versus the suit that we see him in, was a great kind of twist on things. Um, kind of spinning things around from the comic a little bit. So uh, that that stuff really, really excited me. 
once you get past that and you kind of get to the to the end scene and sort of the uh, the the pinnacle fight between Captain America and Iron Man and and Winter Soldier, I was kind of on my post superhero high at that point. I was like, all right, you know, get wrap it up, wrap it up. I've already, I've already <laughs> seen, you know, you I've already gotten my fix of the stuff that's going to make me happy, and so the rest was kind of like you know going back to the port on a roller coaster ride sort of. Um, but you know, I did enjoy it. I think it had the a good balance of the seriousness, the humor. Um, I think it did a good job of setting things up for, for things to come. You know, you do get this sense. It's, I wouldn't say it's an, um, an empire strikes back kind of moment, but you do realize that there's a lot that's not resolved here. And I think that's by design because ultimately they're building to the infinity war, you know, the two part infinity war. And Same there's, directors too. yeah, there's things that are going to have to be resolved. You know that th- there's going to be fallout from this, so it's going to be interesting to see uh, where that goes. Well, I- I'm just really relieved that we won't have to see Uncle Ben die anymore. You don't know; it could be a flashback. Damn it! <laughs> <laughs> um, what do you guys think about Black Panther? I, I think it was great. I, I really look because well, first of all, I like the actor because um, he played James Brown in um, Get On Up, and I really liked him since then. And um, knowing that Ryan Coogler is going to do the Black Panther movie, I, I, re- I was really looking forward to um, how what ba- Black Panther does in the film, and I was I was impressed. Actually, what's really good about Black Panther in the film was they they gave him a, a really strong character. Yeah, in yeah. the film, in I mean, this it, film, it's 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 almost a a origin story for him in the film to some extent. I mean, uh, obviously, there's a lot more backstory they can go into, but I think it did a very good job of establishing a brand new character that we haven't seen before. Um, and giving him enough time and enough motivation to fit well within the, the, the story arc. And it's a black man. Yay! Sorry, I have to bring that up. It is, I think it's the first minority minority character to get like a major major plot arc. In, well, in you're forget you're forgetting Marvel, right? the eagle. Oh Falcon. no, he did. He's a Falcon, side character. Sorry. He did not have like a narrative. He did not have no. Like, he had a, he had a big part in in the Winter Soldier. Come on, yeah, but but, but not, not a character like, arc. Not a character. not a character arc. Not like Black Panther does. Yeah, yeah. Black Panther really he goes through the whole thing about you know I want to get revenge for my father. And in fact, seeing what what happens to both you know Zemo and also Tony Stark, yeah. it makes him like you know I, I have to. You know, and, and you do I have, have to let go. And, you know, that's 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 good stuff. It's, you it's do have Rhodey than, in the you know the second Iron Man film. He's got a bigger. Role. But but again, no character arc. Yeah. Again, just there for support. Right. You know, but this not... practically this practically Black Panther zero point five. In a way, it is. He gets because Captain America doesn't change in this film. Captain America doesn't really have a character arc. He just sees through what he is like the whole time. In fact, you could you could say that you know way more has to be handled by uh, Robert Downey Jr. and uh, and yeah and and Chadwick Boseman. Those two, they're, they're the two that really and, and even I hate to say it, Scarlett Johansson. They, they 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 really were like carrying the film dramatically in a way. Well, think about it, it really is kind of this, the repeat of Captain. The arc is really a repeat of the Winter Soldier, which is Captain America goes rogue again. Except for last time he went rogue from bad guys. This time he went rogue from the real government, right? Who, who actually kind of suck, just like the bad guys do. So, oh well. Um, yeah, I, I I like Captain. I liked this one. It was it was really good. You know, it was. Uh, so much better than Batman Superman. Well, but from, is it because? But is it because we have, like I said earlier, we have that comparison, or is it just really good by itself? I think I think we would have liked it anyway. I think people would have liked it anyway. It was really well done. You know, another thing that's really good about this film: the action is really good. 
the action is really strong and, and spot on and it's got you know and the fighting has a lot of impact and they pay really close attention the Russo brothers pay really close attention they did it in Winter Soldier 2 they pay really close attention to their action and uh, more so than like the Joss Whedon movies uh, you know they're actually fighting other people in this in these movies not just like you know uh, uh, you know just uh, zombie armies so you know it's it's it, it worked they work on a lot of levels um, right Paul you were gonna say something no I, I'm I think it's you know we've got where, where we're going from here in terms of uh, films to come we've got uh, what is next Doctor Strange later this year right yeah, and, and then Guardians, right? Um, Guardians two. We've got uh, Thor, the third Thor film, which which I guess will close out the Thor arc. <laughs> I go, totally forgot about going that. <laughs> into um, the. I'm the actually okay with Thor, Thor to be honest, but okay. <laughs> I, I thought Thor two was kind of the low point of the whole cinematic universe, actually. And uh, I, uh, Iron Man two. Ooh, I'd go with the Incredible Hulk. No, he's not even. Come on, Paul. Well, like, actually, okay, well, discounting that entirely. But yes, you're was, right. It is part of it. It is part of it, and you know. But I think we all forget about it because it doesn't even. It's like finally an actor crosses over in this film. Oh, finally, <laughs> someone shows up from that. I guess it. It did happen. It wasn't a dream. Yeah. Um. Well, no. I. The, the, speaking of the Hulk, there are rumors now floating around that actually he's going to make an appearance in the third Thor film. No, it's, it's not a rumor. I think it's confirmed. Is it I mean, confirmed? it's confirmed. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Which, which is good. I, but one of the things that I think these films are starting to do is is put pressure on superhero films to have a larger cast, right? To have, uh, you know, more heroes crossing over. And it's going to be interesting to see going forward, you know, how how much you can kind of, you know, fit in. Because I think the the lesson we learn from Batman versus Superman is that you, there's a point where it gets to be too much, and I started to wonder if Captain America was at that point. I mean, but see, was... the thing is, that it's really based on everyone that you knew already. Even Spider Man, you know, it only works because of all the other Spider Man movies. Right. It's like yeah. they at this point they're like, you, you guys don't want to see his origin. You guys all know his origin. We're just going to put him in the movie. And here, here was this was I think one of the criticisms that I read and a little bit agreed with 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 the BVS is that we don't need to see any more Bruce Wayne origins. But they right. had to do that for the Martha. Payback. Yeah, yeah. Payback, yes. payoff. They had to do it for the Martha payoff. That's why they did it, unfortunately. So uh, although I think they could have completely cut out the giant bat in the crypt scene, that was just uh, that just seemed unnecessary. I mean, I, I get he's disturbed, but come on, I mean. Uh, that was just weird, I think. Yeah, it was almost like watching a vampire film at, at, at that moment. Um, but, you know, thinking about going forward with the superhero genre, do you think we're at a saturation point? I mean, the, everything now is is seeming to want to try and copy what is being successful. There have been rumors of reshoots. Not rumors, I guess they're actually happening for the Suicide Squad in the wake of Deadpool, the success of Deadpool. A lot more talk now about throwing rating you know rated r versions on things they've just mentioned that uh, the animated version of the killing joke is getting a rated r which to me makes sense having read the original story but also again in the wake of deadpool part of, I, i'm i'm hoping this is just isn't the trend that now everybody thinks they have to put a rated r in the front of every kind of superhero genre movie because that's going to equal dollar signs no, I don't. I don't think. Uh, I don't think that's ever going to happen with Marvel, at least. Yeah, because you know they've proven PG thirteen is their way to go. You know, right? Because like yeah. they only just stand out. They don't need to do this unless they start flagging in their 
in their box office, which doesn't look like it's going to happen soon. Right, and not like the X Men movie ever go rated R. I think I think Deadpool is its own thing, and I think that DC will will soon learn the very hard way that they're you no know, rated R comic book films. You know, I mean, look at you know there was a whole whole series of R rated comic book films, and they're like the Punisher. I mean, Spawn almost was wasn't Spawn rated R. Or Spawn P thirteen. I don't remember. It was pretty close. I, I don't know, and I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> but there was a whole time when, like, it was dark. But you know, there was before the whole PG thirteen Marvel thing. But there was a whole, whole you know, series of you know, like the Punisher was radar, and that didn't do anything for anyone. So I never saw that one. Yeah, oh, I saw was, the first one. I saw the first one. I saw the Thomas Jane one. That one was radar. Yeah, that, so. yeah, that's the one. That one was radar. So I don't think our. I think Deadpool is its own thing, and I don't think Deadpool is gonna be a. Uh, a trend. Well, first of all, I don't think they can make them all of them as good as Deadpool in the first place. But I think what you can do is they can start looking at the edgier superheroes that would be rated R that you couldn't right. have done in PG thirteen, and, and that would, they would have been screwed up in PG thirteen. So you just start looking at, at your at your like uh, at your at your library and you know at your assets and saying, okay, which ones can I now do, which would be interesting with the R rating? Like like Marvel can now like not Marvel, DC can now do Lobo if they want. Although I, I hope they don't, but you know they they, they could do Lobo now uh, because you know that's that's a character that may benefit from an R rating, mm-hmm. um, for example. Um, I'm trying to think who else. You know, I, I, you know they can start looking at their uh, their Vertigo. Uh, they they could they could redo Con- they could reboot Constantine. <laughs> <laughs> didn't they do it last year with TV? Didn't work. They could reboot it again and, and, and have them cross over with Batman, so they could they could add the occult in. He can hang out with Wonder Woman. You know, it's you know they, they can do it, but yeah, DC has to figure themselves out. They they they, they are a mess. They just want everything, but they, they're not going about it properly. They're not you know, Marvel can get greedy now because they've laid out everything such such that they can now jam everybody into a single film and nobody has a problem. It doesn't feel like greed. I I think that Marvel is sort of going the right way that they're switching between the you know traditional superheroes and and sort of the weirder ones. So come, the next two films are going to be Doctor Strange and Guardians Two, and then we go back to more traditional stuff like Spider Man, and then kind of Thor, and then Black Panther, and then you go into Infinity War where you bring in the whole space people and the, the Earth heroes together. It's kind of a good good thing for audiences. I think I think we sort of get an overload of of these these Earth. Bound superheroes, and then we gonna go to the weird ones. I think it's like, gonna be kind of- honestly though, you know, Infinity War. I wonder what the hell is gonna happen in that thing. I mean, I mean, like seriously, are they all gonna fight in like you know, in like Johnny Depp's head, like from Pirates of the Caribbean three, you know, in that white space? <laughs> I mean, what's what's gonna go on in that? And, you know, it's not like they're gonna fly around in spaceships and crap because I don't I don't think that's gonna happen. So, what are they gonna do? Where are they gonna be? I mean, is it gonna be some weird existential superhero movie? Yeah. What do you think? What is going to happen now? You have two groups of Avengers going around, right? You have the Vogue, the rogue, the rogue Avengers versus the, the you know the UN Avengers, right? And but Black I, Widow, who actually should be on the Rogue Avengers, but they don't like her anymore, so she's just off. She's off of pretending to be Japanese in another film. <laughs> but but we're not going to find out what happens with this whole the whole Avengers split until what Thor? No, Avengers uh, Avengers Infinity War. So actually, we got to wait five more movies before we find out what happens. Well, actually, so I think Black Panther. just three, just three. Black Panther happens after after Infinity War. No, it comes Is up it? before it. No, it comes up before it's Black Panther. It's okay. Th- the next five films are going to be Doctor Strange, Guardians Two, Spider Man, Thor, Black Panther, then Infinity War. Really? Yeah. Yeah. 
Infinity Black Panther comes out February 2018. Oh, okay. Sorry, Infinity man. War comes out May 2018. I, I'm, I'm sorry, I forgot to whip out my pocket calendar. Marvel, <laughs> Marvel films. You know, I know it's a required get, thing to carry the get, get the app, right? You know, yeah. <laughs> I didn't load it up. I didn't update this morning. It's, it's, it said update, but I didn't hit the button. East Green West Green. Well, I think this is probably a good uh, jumping off point to talk a little bit about, because Kevin had mentioned Doctor Strange, and uh, Ross threw in a brief mention of uh, Ghost in the Shell there. I'd uh, like to get your guys' opinions on some of the gender portrayal issues that have been popping up of late. We have the issue of Tilda Swinton, uh, playing, Tilda Swindon, excuse me, Swindon, Swinton, uh, playing a character in the Doctor Strange film that is traditionally represented in the comics as an Asian or a Tibetan male, to be precise. And we have the news that Scarlett Johansson, of course, is playing Major Kusanagi in the Ghost in the Shell movie. And uh, I think early last week, they had released some images of her and news was released that they had actually considered using some software to, you know, enhance her fi facial features to make her look more Asian or more Japanese, I guess. Cloud Atlas um, yeah, exactly. Except now this is, you know, kind of, again, created a hotbed of discussion in the wake of things like, you know, Oscar So White and yeah. the, the, these other issues where um, there some people actually raised quite a few cases where Asian characters have been replaced by uh, white actors and actresses, um, including um, most recently the film Aloha, which we had Emma Stone playing a supposedly half Chinese Hawaiian character so one fourth um, or something yeah one fourth and you know so you have have these situations where there are opportunities out there and then there was this YouTube uh, video by this guy this I guess screenwriter who works in the industry I can't remember Max Landis Max Landis who basically says you know you can't be mad because this is the way you, the, that films get made and I just don't agree with that altogether because it's a self-fulfilling cycle you don't give an opportunity to an Asian so therefore they can't be considered A-list and therefore you just keep going back to uh, the, you know these same these same people so I've had this discussion with, with some people some friends of mine who you know would be considered Asian or Asian American and I was quite shocked because a lot of them seem a little bit nonplussed by it. Um, non so I'd like to get your guys' take on, on nonplussed. You mean they don't like it? Well, no, they just they they just you don't. Mean, so they're indifferent. They're indifferent, or or, okay. or they're they're actually okay with it in in a sense. You know, they they don't mind. Um, you know, because this is film, I guess, and they think if it gets the film made, that's the important thing. Well, boss, well, you, you uh, first. Well, okay. Well, okay. <laughs> I I care less about the the um, Scarlett Johansson issue because the film because we don't know what the setting is. I think I think they. I mean, who confirmed that actually her her character's name is going to be Japanese? Well, did, did they confirm that? I think her name is her character is Major Kusanagi. Now, with Ghost in the Shell, I can kind of I can kind of see the rationale because. You're dealing with a, a future in which people, in, you know, if they port in their consciousness into shells, into, you know, so basically you can, you know, at some point in the animation, she actually ports herself into the body of a little girl, right? Right. So the visual of the shell is, is I think, not that important. But the idea is that this is happening in a futuristic Japanese city. So if you want to say, okay, Scarlett Johansson is going to play the lead character, but 
you know, everybody else, are they all going to be white actors too? Are they all going to be speaking English? If not, at a certain point, it makes me say, look, if you're going to take it out of the location it's set in, you're going to change the name of the city, you're going to make the characters not who they are in the, the original thing, why not just create your own intellectual property? In this case, you're just basically trying to cash in on the intellectual property, and of course yeah, that's going to make fans very angry. This is a story as old as time, though. It's, it's, just, it's just, you know... Did you see Dragon Ball? Oh. Yes, I did. <laughs> I, I, actually, I'm half expect them to not set the film in Japan. Honestly, I think I think their way out of it is to not set the film in Japan or set it in any specific country. Just like Dragon Ball, Dragon Ball actually was never really set in Asia. Remember, I mean, the comic book was never really set in Asia. It's yeah. set in this well, no, anonymous the, 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 nation in, in somewhere and, on Earth. And this is the this is the idea. I mean, some people have been talking about the Akira remake, which I guess has been in limbo for a while too. Which yeah, happens stays there forever. Happens is a, in a place called what Neo Tokyo. Okay, so you're gonna make it Neo New York. You're gonna completely. You know, Neo New York isn't that like you know redundant though. <laughs> <laughs> well, not in Futurama. In Futurama, I think it's called New 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 York, right? So, okay. Um, but yeah, it's it, it's 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 the infernal affairs process where you just take you know the idea of the thing and you completely strip it of all right. Asianness. But but see, infernal affairs, you know, they could get away with it because they just turned into a crime film, you know, and then they they get rid of like the, the certain ideas of like you know the, the the circles of hell and they just make it you know you know Boston equals hell and everyone gets it. <laughs> but like um, you know, Ghost in the Shell. See, actually, I I I care less about Ghost in the Shell than I do about Doctor Strange. But you know, it, Ghost in the Shell, it's like. Yeah, I actually this is such this topic is huge. Frankly, you know, I wish you'd like had more time because you know I I just feels like I just have to like you know just like quickly zip through it. But you know, frankly, I could probably spend like half an hour to an hour on the subject alone. Um, the problem with this whole situation, it's like you know, Paul, I I, I get what you're saying, and I I agree with you. That, yeah, you know, what's the problem? It's a chicken and egg thing, right? Where are you gonna start? Um, you have to start somewhere. By giving these people these roles, uh, by giving Asians roles and, and, and blacks roles and women roles and, and women directors' jobs, <laughs> you know, and then black women directors' jobs and Asian women directors' jobs and Asian, you know, get, you know what I'm saying, okay? You have to start somewhere, and then that way it becomes a self-perpetuating cycle, where you know people you find that people accept it, or maybe horribly you find that people don't accept it, <laughs> and then and then yeah, you, you're gonna have to like be stuck with white guys all the time. <laughs> We don't know because it hasn't happened. We haven't, you know, had the big test cases. But, you know, these films cost millions and millions and millions of dollars. You know, it's like, do you really expect them to, to spend $300 million on a film starring Rinko Kikuchi? <laughs> Come on. I'd see it. They, they, they did spend $100 you million on Pacific it. Rim. And but Pacific, Pacific Rim, Rim did not star Rinko Kikuchi. It starred a gigantic effing robot <laughs> and a white guy. Okay? And a white guy. The white guy was a star. And guess what? Sorry, everybody out there. Pacific Rim was not that successful. <laughs> Compared to its budget, it was not that successful. Okay? Right. So, you know, maybe if Brad Pitt had played Charlie Hunnam's role, then it would have been successful. Wait, actually, but, the, the, the failure of that film actually is not on Ringo Kikuchi, but rather Charlie Hunnam. If you, yeah, you could say that, but it's not really his fault either because he wasn't a star, right? You know, if you cast Tom Cruise and it failed, then it's like, whoa, Tom Cruise, you're sucking it up. Well, like, so, 
someone did bring up the 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 the, the issue that a white star can have multiple failures and they won't say anything. But when an Asian star or a black star has one or two failures, or even a female star like like Melissa McCarthy, every time her film doesn't open north of thirty million, they say, "Oh my God, what happened? What was happening, to Melissa McCarthy?" But look at well, what about your exception? Um, what about Will Smith? Look at Hensworth. Well, look at Will okay. Smith. Look at Will Smith. Smith. Every time he has a flop, people will be like, "Oh, is this the end of Will Smith?" I mean, he hasn't Cause had a because he's because he's, he's doing fine, in my opinion. Uh, maybe, uh, maybe, maybe they do that. I don't read those think pieces because you know, I it's all clickbait anyway. Uh, right. But it's it's like when it comes to Ghost in the Shell, there's no way they're going to make this without a white actress. Sorry, period. You know, the best they could have done is gotten like Zoe Zaldana. <laughs> <laughs> That's the most diverse it could have been, you know, because at least she's proven certain genres. The, the thing is, I I don't want to criticize films that haven't been made yet, and there are no information. So I, I you know I care less about Doctor Strange. I care less about um, uh, Ghost in the Shell than what they've already done. So I'm talking about um, uh with Emma Stone. Even The Martian, The Martian, the character but, Mandy those, Park, right? The, but those two, those two. Sorry, I'm going to interrupt you. Well, no, the, man, the character Mandy Park, she's specifically Korean in the novel, and it's not even a major role. They didn't need to cast a white actress, and they did But see, it. in this case, this is where I do agree they should have cast absolutely with the original race, because you still had Matt Damon, you still had uh, Bradley Cooper, is that who it was? Exactly, yeah, 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 exactly. So I think they should have cast, you know, this is, I just blame Ridley Scott and, uh, you know, Cameron Crowe, because, you know, they're, they're idiots. But, you know, it's it's just, they, they should have done it there. I agree. That is an absolute case where they should have done it. They should have uh, gone for the diversity, but they didn't, you know? So that was something that I, uh, I you know, I, I would never say that in this case, they're spending millions and millions of dollars. It's like, okay, you did spend millions and millions of dollars, which is why you have Matt Damon, which is why you have Bradley Cooper. Okay, put Ringo Kikuchi in your movie now. Okay, <laughs> that is fine. But when it comes to Motoko Kusanagi, it doesn't work. Not because it would, wouldn't be better or worse as a film with, a, a, with an Asian. I think it would be better as an Asian. It's more true to the source. You, have, you can use Neo-Tokyo and it can be whatever, you know, cyberpunk and all that crap. But the reality is you're not going to spend trillions of dollars and, and not have a, an actress who is semi-bankable, you know, in that type of role. And that's what they had to do. It's just business, you know, and uh, I agree with that. Frankly, though, you know, honestly, I could, I could give a rat's ass about Ghost in the Shell movie. I mean, personally, I, I don't care. You know, I think the anime is fine, and you know, and you know, this whole discussion that we're having is why I watched Hong Kong films in the first place. Mm. It's because you know, I, I you know, I, I just <coughs> I can only watch Big Trouble in Little China so many times. <laughs> okay, <laughs> so it's and, and then and still it was like all about Kurt Russell. So frankly, <laughs> that's why I watched Hong Kong films, and that's why I watched Asian films because I knew that you know if I wanted to watch people like identify with in a cultural and even on a just like a physical level, I would have to watch these films. As much as I like Kurt Russell, I'm sorry for me. Big Trouble in Little China was all about James Hong, and it always will be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't disagree with that. Um, well, let me let can we can, let's shift over to the Doctor Strange side of things because one of the things that caught my attention was a comment from. Um, I, was it the director, one of the filmmakers, who said, writers, one of the writers. writers. He basically said, you know, you could not cast a Chinese, you know, you could not cast a Michelle Yeoh, you could not cast a Chinese actress in this role because, you know, uh, you would never do that. You would never cast a Chinese person playing Tibetan. And I thought, wait a minute, that's just dumb. First of all, Michelle Yeoh is Malaysian. She's not from, you know, she's not from mainland China. Why does that? Why does that even matter? 
in the I context of anything. No, the writer, the writers talk about the actual character being Tibetan would never. The, the original setting of the character would never fly in China because that character is Tibetan, not because any casting any actor. So actually, in the film, supposedly the act, the character won't even be be be, be Tibetan. It would be like some kind of Irish-ish uh, guru or something instead of being Asian at all. I see, I see. So they've yeah. just yeah, basically just... complete completely written a new character. They de-Asianized the character too. <laughs> but they did it because they didn't want to piss off China, right? Because right. Tibet would piss off China. You but couldn't be... they couldn't they have just said, well, it's a Chinese mystic and get a Chinese actor actress and make China that much more happy? Right? Yeah, would, they could have done been that. Easier way out, yeah. That would be I don't know why they out. didn't, to be honest. And and they, they should have. It would have been fine. It was like a role that should have been China Fats or Michelle Yeohs or or, or Gong Li's or whoever the hell they wanted to give it to. It's... Honestly, to, to a Swinton, it's not exactly reasons why people would go watch a watch a Marvel movie. I think. Mm. Yeah, it, it, it's it's weird that they did it. You know, I, I don't know why they did that. You know, I mean, Doctor Strange always had that origin, and you know, I do agree that 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 you know when that when they said, oh, the 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 uh, the, the mentor, Asian mentor, is a horrible racist stereotype. It's like, yeah, but why does he still have Wong, his uh, his servant? The film still <laughs> has his his Asian manservant Wong. Um, so it's like that is okay. So I think they screwed the pooch here, and uh, you know, it's like you know, it's okay to keep the subservient one, but not to be the not to have the master be Asian. It's like, yeah, well, come on. Mm. You know, I who knows why they did it. I mean, I don't know whose decision it was. I don't know if it was Derrickson. I don't know if it was uh, the producers. Um, this this was a mistake. I, I think they they could have done it the other way, especially since you know she's not the selling point. So it's like, yes, yeah, so there are ways it could work. There there are ways to to approach this. Um, I, I think, like I said, the Ghost in the Shell is the one where it doesn't work because the money is too great, and if you don't have that star, it doesn't work. It's it's not they're not going to get their money's worth at this moment until they know until they have the actress that they've proven they can do it. But Doctor Strange, yeah, you didn't have to take this side character and and, and make it and whitewash him. Oh, so uh, so uh, boycott. <laughs> <laughs> no, we can't boycott Sherlock. Come on, I don't watch Sherlock. <laughs> I have no problem boycotting Sherlock, but I will watch it just because I watch all of them, and I'm, I'm a totally like one of those people who just yeah, have I'll watch to. It. I'll, I'll watch it. I know I'm not going to boycott, it, but I don't know, expect it to be. You know, I expect it to be sort of the same level as the first Thor movie at best. You know, uh, you know, two things. Two things I'll say about this whole issue. One thing is, yes, yeah, a lot of us, especially Asians, you know, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm putting us on a pedestal somewhere. But uh, you know, we're used to this crap. Come on, you know, we're used to Hollywood doing this to us. You know, we don't get loud about it like you know, like you know, Oscar So White does. Especially since Oscar So White was basically about making black people look good. Uh, if you recall, what actually happened? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, I mean, we're used to it, and frankly, I, I don't really expect anything from Hollywood. Well, you know, I've, I've, I've seen a couple interesting arguments that are basically along the same lines. One with, um, I, I, from, I guess a person who was Indian or Indian American said, "Hey, you know, you don't see the Indians, uh, you know, talking about this because they have Bollywood. They they just make their own thing, you know." And then another person I saw on Facebook or a forum basically said the same thing. He said, "This is why I watch basically what Ross said. This is why I watch Hong Kong movies." You know, but see, because the sad part about this. Oh, go ahead. Finish your thought. No, that's that's basically that was basically the point. Is because he he's not going to find representation in Hollywood, so you go to a place that you do have it. The, the sad part I was going to say about that though is that yeah, Japan has J- Japanese cinema and Korea has Korean cinema and China has Chinese cinema, but Hong Kong is like effed <laughs> <laughs> because 
Because Hong Kong is like, you know, they're not even making films for, they're barely making films from locals anymore. And actually, it's just because locals don't give a crap. Locals are too busy watching, you know, Captain America, Netflix, Civil War. Yeah. Well, that, yeah, that's yeah. the problem, isn't it? I mean, the problem is that Hollywood has such a widespread influence in the world that everyone is sort of looking for representation of themselves yeah. in Hollywood films. So, because if, if you're going to be taking over the world the way you are, but, 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 you can't but, 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 just represent you know, one race of people. But that's, that's what's so stupid about it. It's this whole idea that, you know, it's that, you know, I have to be on the most screens is what gives me the rep- most representation. It's like, s- screw them. It's just like, it's just like uh, Spike Lee, how he used to bitch and moan about not winning an Oscar all those years. And it's like, Spike, do you realize who gives Oscars? Why do you want, why do you want approval from these people who you know will never approve of you? Right. You know, they're all a bunch of old white guys, you know, and they, 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 they don't like what you're doing. Obviously, we know why. And so why would you want recognition from well, them? Yeah, the Spike Lee was very outspoken during the Oscar So White issue. And I kind of I kind of take issue with him because like a, a week or so before I saw an article where he was basically lambasting Tyler Perry for making cultural rubbish. You know, with the the Medea films and the films that he makes, which are, you know, he's a successful filmmaker. He makes money and he gives African American actors work. And so here's a guy coming out who makes, you know, films as rarely as he does, saying, "Oh, you know, your films are garbage," and at the same time saying, "Oh, there's not enough African Americans working in Hollywood." So yeah, it, well, it's it's a good thing he made Old Boy the remake because you know Josh <laughs> Brolin is a great American African American actor. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah. I guess we, you know, this is a, this is a, a preaching point that we could probably go on and on and on about. Um, but I did want to get your guys' opinions on, you know, how how you saw these these issues and and sharing some of your feedback. On I do want to say one thing though. When it comes to this whole diversity issue, I think there. I think unfortunately, it's 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 it hasn't taken hold. But the people who are pushing it are also hurting the cause as much as helping. I think so. You know, all this yelling and screaming and think pieces. It's not going to get the job done. Shaming, shaming Hollywood is not going to get it done. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to find some other way to do it. I'm not saying, you know, I'm not saying that there's a solution, but you know, you know, the, the, this. The sad part is, yeah, yeah. There, there's, there's really no easy solution. But you know, just, just yelling and screaming, especially in the case like you know the the uh, Ghost in the Shell uh, case, which is, which is completely understandable why they can't cast an Asian actress demanding it and it's just going to fail if they do it i mean i think we know this is is why i'm somewhat hopeful that china can get its act together in the next five to ten years i i think we kind of started to see a glimpse of this this earlier this year with the monkey king 2 you know getting more refined in their films and their storytelling and being able to create stuff that i think can compete internationally so uh, Kevin yeah, wasn't it wasn't well, you were telling, do... telling me that you know we got this film calling coming called uh, what is it League of Gods right so go out and support League of Gods <laughs> oh god no no well the thing is you can't you would never see you would never see a modern superhero film in China because because uh, actually the uh, state administration blah blah the SAR people they are very adamant that there are no super people superhuman in China there cannot be superhumans in China that's it like that's the point that's why you would never see a modern superhero film because the government wouldn't allow it yeah, but yeah, that that may change. I you know that that, that there are that, no that vigilantes. Kind of, that, that kind of stuff comes and goes. You know, uh, what the, what is it? The thing that I um, you know, DC is getting ready to launch. I guess later this year, if they haven't already done so, the Asian Superman, the, the Chinese Superman, right? Who's going to be? Uh, you know, he's part of the the core universe. He's somehow 
gotten part of uh, Superman's power. So he's not Kryptonian. He's, you know, basically a human who has Superman's powers, and he's based out of Beijing. So I'm very interested to read that and to see where that goes and if Andy that China. Ha has a particular, you know, influence upon Andy China. Any China. Any China. China. Yeah. There is no way a superpowered individual could exist in China without government oversight. <laughs> I'm serious. You know yeah, this this is that you know this would be a sticking point. This would be the sticking point. It would yeah. be the sticking point for them. It'd be like, no, I'm sorry, you can't bring this in. We cannot allow this fantasy to exist where a uh, superhero can exist in China. He would have to be a uh, a part member of the party because the party is benevolent and wonderful. You can't even have a shootout, a police robber shootout on a, in a Chinese city. Remember in Saving Mr. Wu when they had the shootout? It was a fantasy. That's why it worked. That's why Firestorm could never be shooting in China because it had to take place in Hong Kong because that because the authorities would never let that stuff take place in China. Yes, lawlessness does not exist in China. There you go. But wait, there's I'm, no I'm, lawlessness. I'm, I'm confused. What about drug war? Drug war, street shootout. Yeah, at the end, everyone dies. No, that was um, no talk about like like big you know bank robbers like oh, okay, like okay. literally like that kind of crime that kind of criminal activity. You know, what besides I mean? he was a Hong Konger. Right, plus there were Hong Kongers. Okay. Yes, Lewis, all the bad guys were from Hong Kong. Remember right. they all showed up? Actually. Yeah, I think huh? that's actually intentional. Yes, it is intentional. Yeah. It's so obvious it's intentional. Yes. You know, it, it's a great movie, but it's it's so annoying sometimes when they do this crap. Because you're like, ah, I can see what you're doing. And, you know, I know China's like, oh, good. But it's just so annoying. Because it's like, you know, it, it's all from some boilerplate. Sometimes things slip through. You wonder how they slip through. But most of the time, it's just like, oh, I can see what you're doing. And then they do it. And it's like, yes... This person is really a Hong Konger, so it's bad. It's, you know, there's no fighting in China and no, no big, you know, alien invasion of China because for some reason the aliens will avoid the glorious Middle Kingdom because they're afraid of the Chinese people. And, well, I mean, I'm still hopeful because of things like you know, mermaid. Even though it's fantasy, I mean, superheroism does kind of border on on that same kind of fantasy realm. I'm also hopeful because I think what is it later this year we get the Three Body Project. Uh, film version, and maybe that will push the boundaries of science fiction and and what will be acceptable by Sarft and the the regulatory bodies as they were. Maybe there's always you know, science maybe not, fiction in China. I agree. Hopeful. I agree. There's always hope. Hopefully they'll they'll, they'll loosen up one day. Hopefully, but yeah, unfortunately, every time you see science, they're going to loosen up. <laughs> Someone realizes, wait, we're loosening up, and then they they stop. <laughs> <laughs> you realize this? This is true, isn't it, Kevin? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Every I time mean, they start loosening up, they're like, wait a second, we're loosening up. It's one, step forward, it's one step forward, two steps back in China. That's yes, indeed, yes, indeed. <laughs> All right, well, any final points on anything we've talked about, VVS, Captain America, or anything else, gentlemen? Marvel, if, if, if I was working in D.C. and I saw Civil War, I would be shaking in my boots. I think that's, that's what I thought when I saw Civil War. I don't know if you guys agree. Suicide Watch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> executive suicide watch yeah. uh, well maybe suicide squad will you know save their bacon we'll have to wait a few months and, and see what happens right you're listening to the east screen west screen podcast visit kongcast.com for more
All right, I think that's going to wrap it up for this special episode of a East Screen, West Screen. You have been listening to the East Screen, West Screen podcast. Our theme music was composed by Rob Jabor of Schnauzer Radio Orchestra. Research has come from a variety of sources, but primarily LoveHKFilm.com and the Hong Kong Movie Database, and of course our own sort of uh, geek-related backgrounds for this special episode. We also get a tremendous amount of moral support from listeners like you. So if you would like to be part of the show, you can get in touch with us via the website at concast.com. You can file, follow us over on Twitter, that is twitter.com slash concast, or you can email us at eastscreen at gmail.com. We are also over on Facebook, that is East S West S. Stop in, drop us a line, tell us what you like, tell us what you hate, tell us you totally don't agree with us. We'll be happy to carry on the conversation with you there. Also, uh, let me direct your attention first over to Kevin. Kevin, where can they find out more about what you're doing? Hey, you can read my uh, writing on film and see my movie listings and stuff like that on the Discovery Magazine or the Silk Road Magazine uh, under Cathay Pacific and Dragonair Flights. You can get the iPad app, uh, type Discovery on the iPad store. I mean, iTunes. Sorry, I don't even know the proper word. The iPad app store. There you go. Um, and you can find uh, the articles and my face as a TV critic of the magazine. You can follow me on Twitter at uh, The Golden Rock. That's one word, The Golden Rock. You can email me at thegoldenrock at gmail.com. All right. And oh, finally, over to the man who is the, I guess, like the Nick Fury to our team of uh, Asian film followers here. He's the one that brings us all together. If you re- listen to this show at all, I'm sure you must have visited his site. Uh, and that is Mr. Ross Chan. Ross, where can they find out more about what you're doing and uh, you know what what you're talking about? Oh, well, actually, they can't. <laughs> 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 I'm not doing anything right now. Uh, um, yeah, the site is kind of like uh, on a hiatus. So, so they can go to lovehkfilm.com, but you know, it's everything is like a month old, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to be two and three months or four months old soon. So, and, and I'm on Twitter, but I like tweet like three times a week. So, uh, yeah, half the time about the Warriors. Huh? Oh yeah. Well, now that's the playoffs. Yeah, you're gonna see a lot of tweeting about like basketball soon. <laughs> but uh, other than that, it's like you know, oh, there's a movie. Yeah. Um, yeah. You can find me on Twitter at lovehkfilm. You know, all one word. But all right. uh, I, I'm not. I'm kind of on a break. Right. Understood. Excellent, though. I do, I do as I said. I think anybody who listens to this show has uh, been to the site before. But if you have not, do check it out. So thank you to both my guests, my co-host, Kevin, and our special guest, Ross. We hope to have you on in the very near future again to talk about uh, maybe some Asian films and some other things of interest. Our next episode, 192, I think we're going to be covering the new Tang Wei film, Book of Love. So all of that and more on our next show. Until then, this is the East Screen, West Screen podcast saying, we wish you good viewing, superhero or otherwise, and we'll see you next time. Avengers, assemble! (laughs) 